0: Welcoming to Rage Against the Mainstream for the first time, our new friend, Blake Wyland from the Tome Mob podcast. Hey, what's up? How you doing tonight, man? Or today, should I say? You know, not too
1: bad. We're hanging in there, you know, locked down like everybody else. But, you know, for me, it's not all that different from normal, other than I'm just avoiding going anywhere that I don't absolutely have to go. That's, yeah, uh,
0: we're we're all stuck in this together, man. Yep. It just but, it sucks. It
1: does. It it's it's a bummer, but well, you know, I'm optimistic. I think it it it's going to it's going to I don't know. It's going to shake out all right, I think in the end.
0: Yeah, I I hope I hope by the time it's all said and done, I mean, I know it's kind of like uh uh like I'm trying to think of the right word here. Like I I don't want to be like uh you like rude or anything, but I hope we do get some form of summer out of this year.
1: Yeah, I think, I think we probably will. That's that's my guess. Well, I'm maybe some of my, uh, some of my viewpoint is slightly rosy because I read an article that Oregon and Washington are up, they're guessing that we're on the downside of because we're starting to see less and less cases pop up. So hopefully that's accurate. We'll see.
0: And you guys were like the start, like, uh, like at least uh, like Washington, Seattle, I thought was like the epicenter in the very beginning. And yeah, I you think know, in Washington takeover. had the
1: first. Yeah. Had the first case in the States, I believe.
0: That's that's just crazy. I mean, so I mean, if you guys are on the downslope now at the end of this curve, I guess we're not that far behind you because I think we I think over here in, uh on the East Coast. We were, I think, like two weeks behind you guys, maybe in the Mm -hmm. very beginning. So, I mean, uh, you know, the only thing we can do is be optimistic. And, you know, uh, it's just it is cool that we all still have the ability to do what we're doing now.
1: Yeah, I said this to a friend of mine the other day. Uh, Well, it was actually uh, Joel Corday, who runs Chase Bliss. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that pedal company, but it's pretty cool. I've heard
0: the name before.
1: Yeah, they they make some rad stuff. They're 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 the craziest, some of the craziest pedals I've ever seen. But he's a he's an awesome guy. But I was like, you know, dude, like this couldn't have happened at a better time in history. Really, like imagine like being stuck without internet and like without phones and like without streaming. Like it would have been so much worse. It would have been doable, oh. but it would have been so much worse.
0: Yeah, that it it definitely would have sucked very, very hard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he's like,
1: that's a good point.
0: We can we definitely have more options
1: to keep ourselves busy because of all this technology. So you know, I'm looking at that as a as a positive.
0: Yeah, and plus like with the whole like social distancing thing, like pretty much if you have a smartphone or access to the internet, you can always video chat people. I mean, it's not like we're so disconnected. You know, because we do have this kind of technology to where we can, you know, video chat with family. And, you know, like with that being said, stay home. Yes. Yes. Stop going out.
1: Yeah. For around here, uh, like I got to say, I think most people are doing doing their best from from what I can see. There's definitely some dummies, but, you know, that's always going to be the case for the the most part. People are doing what they're supposed to do.
0: Yeah, you're going to get that anywhere. I mean, I was driving down the street the other day. Well, because um, quote unquote essential. And uh, I had the you know, I was on my way home from work and um, I saw a group of kids riding bikes down the street. I'm like, what part of this distancing thing don't you understand? Right. And where are your parents? What are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Like, where are they? Uh, yeah, it, it's just wild. But getting on to better and brighter things yes you you run the tone mob podcast for the listeners that are listening to this on rage against the mainstream they might or might not know who you are give us a little bit of a rundown of you know who are you and what is your show about
1: yeah so i am uh, a nobody uh i am a guy (laughs) who was a I was a mechanic um for a long time and then I worked uh, in the oil industry for the last part of my uh my employed career um and while I was there that job was as was a type of job where there was either everything going on and you had no time to breathe or there was nothing going on and <laughs> if there was nothing going on it didn't matter you still had to be there um so I found I found, you know, I was a podcast listener at that point. I'd listened to several different shows. This was like 2015. Um, so I wasn't exactly a pioneer to any of this stuff, but it was a while ago. Um, and I, I realized that there, there were a couple guitar podcasts. Um, one I listened to uh, called Chasing Tone, which is with my friend uh, Brian Wampler. And at the time, had Max Jeffries and uh, Travis Feaster on it. And I really enjoyed that show. It was a really good show. And I, I was like, there just aren't that many other guitar podcasts. At the time, the ones I knew of that were active were Chasing Tone, 60 Cycle Hum, and uh, the Guitar Nerds podcast. Those was the only ones I knew of. Um, now there's a bunch. Still not as many as like True Crime or something, but now there's a bunch of oh guitar my God. podcasts
0: that's is, like is a, that's a genre that's like completely oversaturated
1: oh yeah i mean i get it it's fascinating stuff so, you know some of the stories but it's like man good luck starting starting into that if i mean do it if you really want to obviously that's why we we all do this stuff but difficult to get traction i would imagine but oh my um, god <laughs> but I, there's a lot of anyway, hitters too oh yeah a lot of heavy hitters coming in and it's just that's a difficult one and then a, a lot of uh, i've i haven't experienced this myself but i've heard of people saying that podcasts that they've enjoyed listening to that were kind of about something else have like morphed into true crime podcasts um oh just, wow which is like ah oh, man like let the, let them do their thing you do your thing
0: but um, <laughs> <laughs> probably like the perfect mix is um i don't know if you ever heard it was uh, disgrace land yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: That's like the perfect mix of like music and true crime. hmm I love yeah, that. Yeah, another show. really
1: another really good one that, that sometimes kind of delves into that because of the nature of some of the subjects is cocaine and rhinestones. I don't know if you've ever heard that one, but No. It's about it's about the history of, of country music. Um of like twentieth century country music. And oh, okay. man, there are some banana stories. Like we think rock stars go hard. I think that <laughs> the country guys made him look like amateurs. It's insane. Um but That's the a guy who runs it is a is he does a really good job with it and uh it's a really good podcast. Awesome. but Anyway, I started my show uh, and uh and and then later actually ended up being a co-host on Chasing Tone, which I did not expect. Um That's so awesome. that was kind of crazy. So now I've actually done more episodes with Brian because uh, the other guys moved on to different jobs, and uh, they were actually going to end it episode two or episode one hundred and be done. And a lot of people were bummed. And Brian was like, "Okay, well, I can't really end it." Um, and so he was just like, "Why don't you come on for an episode or two, And then maybe I'll get guests. And it just ended up being ninety nine percent of the time it's me and Brian, and we just crossed episode three hundred here recently. So
0: congratulations! That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, man. But yeah, so it I started interviewing circle, people man. and
1: it's it's I never expected that to happen. It was really really cool. Nice to be able to call that guy a, a buddy too cuz he's a good guy.
0: Oh, um, absolutely.
1: But yeah, I started my show and and I started interviewing a lot of pedal builders. I still interview a lot of pedal builders and guitar builders and amp builders and then right around like episode, I don't know, closer to 100 like around around episode 70 or so i started getting artists that i really like like i recently interviewed one of my favorite guitar players from my favorite band and like so like i'm starting to interview a, a lot of people that i actually am a super genuine fan of and that that is like insane to me like crazy
0: yeah it, it's it's really cool i mean we've had the opportunity to uh interview some cool people on this show um obviously like no one up to like the par of like zach wild like we were talking about earlier but uh um, oh, that would be cool that would be insane but we've had um doc Coyle from bad wolves and uh God oh forbid, nice we yeah we had him on our show and it was really funny because we had only done like five or six episodes and this show was like still in it's like infantile stages and we even have an interface at that point i was just plugging a five channel mixer into the sound card of the computer and that's how we were doing it and i was like you know what i i think we're far enough along now Uh, let me message this guy and i messaged him and he's like absolutely i'll come on the show nice and yeah i wish it's something that would have happened later on Because, of course, you know, I'm pretty sure, you know, like once you talk like like leading up to it, you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, I can't believe this guy's going to be on my show. And then next thing you know, you're like super fanboying and (laughs) you you don't ask the right things or, you know, you're you're stumbling and you just sound stupid in the very beginning. And obviously it was our first interview at that point. And um, yeah, but he was cool enough, man. And, you know, he. uh he promoted it and stuff after he came on, and I was like, man, this guy did not have to do that like at all. Yeah, he's
1: a, he's a cool dude. I, uh, I, I have some mutual friends who are friends with him, so I I'd probably need to hit him up and try to get him on my show one of these times, but I really like his podcast, too. You know, the, I found that, like, yeah, yeah, it's a good podcast. He does a good job on that thing.
0: And he's a real he's a, gearhead, too.
1: <clears throat> yeah, he seems to be. It's a yeah, he gets some cool people on there, man. It's a podcasting's a wild ride. And I think now that people are more exposed to it and like know that it's like a it's a thing, like it's a real thing. I, I mean some people are still confused by it. Um like I read something like even still at this point there was I can't remember the number. It was like forty something percent of Americans still hadn't listened to a podcast. And That's funny. uh that's like shocking to me. I'm like, but it also, you know, kind of shows how much, like, even though this has grown a lot, how much more room there is. Because eventually, I think, eventually, and this is going to be a long ways off, podcasting in some shape or form or internet radio, basically, is, it will kind of take over terrestrial radio. That's my, that's my Dude, theory. Dude, I've been
0: saying the same thing for like the longest time. I 100% agree with that. I mean, just the fact of um it was funny cuz I just I spoke at the uh, uh independent uh virtual podcast conference a couple weeks ago. And like I said, I said I feel like podcasting is like the last like truest medium like ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you have a podcast that has commercials or, you know, advertisements podcasting still isn't like a 100% corporate controlled entity. Like it's, you know, it's whatever you want to do, whatever you want to broadcast, anybody can do it. And I mean, it's going to probably be a matter of time before like the FCC or whatever is, you know, knocking down people's doors. But I mean, for the time being, I honestly think that, I mean, I would probably say probably within the next five to 10 years, You're going to start being able to get podcasts on a probably like a wider, like a wider array of like devices. And probably there'll probably be like a podcast channel on like Sirius XM or something by probably within the next five to 10 years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I read somebody this. I can't remember who he was, but he was somebody in big in the podcasting space had like all these predictions for like 10 years out. And one of them was that he thinks that it won't be called podcasts anymore. And I thought that was an interesting kind of way to think about it. And I was like, he might be right about that. Because if you think about it, it's got its name, you know, from the iPod. And we don't, yeah. nobody even has an iPod anymore. Like, so, it, like, people probably, that's probably why people, some people are confused. How many times can I say yeah, like, people in 30 seconds? Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, because they're like, what's a pod, like, people, I, like what's a podcast? That, what is that? You know, back when I first heard of podcasting, I they were like, oh, it's it's, you know, an audio show you play on your iPod. I was like, oh, that's why it's called podcasting. That makes sense. Now it doesn't really make any sense.
0: (laughs) Like now we're in a point in time to where kids are growing up and not even knowing what an iPod is. Yeah.
1: Well, like or like kids are growing up and like, you know, hopefully by the time my kids in school and I can still keep doing this and they're going to be like, what does your dad do? You know, like, well, he's a (laughs) podcaster. (laughs) <laughs> and like, <laughs> it'll start being more of a of a thing, hopefully.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, there's like, there's a lot of like, really heavy hitters that are out here now making shows. And, you know, I think people are just seeing how easy it is and how freeing it is to be able to make content that you're not going to be, you know, under scrutiny for. And, and it's like I just said, like, you, you literally record whatever you want and just put it out there. And, you know, even if you offend people or whatever, no one's going to shut your show down. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Well, and I think people are really starting to see how powerful that that really is, because like now you have like, like, you know, years ago, Obama going on Mark Marin, you know, that was a big turning point. That's and then like, you know, Rogan's had a bunch of presidential candidates on, you know, yeah. like that w- would not have happened. They're not there for fun. You know what I mean? They might've had fun, but they're there because they know that it's a powerful way to spread their message. Like instead of sitting down in front of a NBC and getting eight seconds to make your point, you just end up yelling and looking like a moron. Or you can go on a podcast and talk for an hour and really fully flesh out some of your ideas. That's, it's kind of a wonderful thing
0: that, or you could decide to go on Joe Rogan and spend three to four hours. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Like, honestly, I wonder how he does that, man. Like he, like there's weeks where he'll release like every day and they're like three to four hours. And it's like, how do you do this?
1: Oh, I, I used to think that too, but I've, I've done a couple, a couple hour episodes and I, I don't know when it's flowing, it's just flowing, you know, it's just, uh, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, it's, some people are a little bit harder to like drag stuff out of, um, they're not naturally like a talker like you and I are, obviously. So yeah. but sometimes it's just like, oh no, we're going. I think the longest I ever I recorded for about two and a half hours, but we were on the phone together for like almost four hours total. Oh wow. <laughs> uh was with Jay Cross from the aforementioned guitar nerds podcast. We were just we were just going. So I had like a bunch of content and then a bunch of content for Patreon and Yeah, I don't know. I can can see how that would work. But I also like I for part of my job is 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 talking on the phone. So there will be times where I'll literally take off and I'll be on the phone all day long and I'll just be walking around my neighborhood. So I guess I'm just used to (laughs) flapping my gums.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. You're a host of a show. I'm the host of a show like with like I feel like. Well, it's not like a definite thing. Like if you're doing a podcast, you don't need to be like a talker or whatever. But if you are, it definitely helps.
1: Hmm. Yeah. When but, I told my family I was doing it, they're like, "Of course you are." <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Yeah, That's like that makes sense." Best
0: response. Hmm. But yeah. um, speaking of talkers, uh, and Joe Rogan. I think one of the longest episodes I heard of his is when he had David Lee Roth on. Oh, man, that was a a a phenomenal episode. Oh, so it was. And, you know, as as much of a goofball as he is, man, he's very, very cultured. And like, like I would like he has probably forgotten more experiences than I will ever have in my whole lifetime.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he was. I was loving hearing his stories. The funniest one to me was when he was talking about when he was a uh, EMT and how like <laughs> like nobody recognized him except for this one super drunk guy after Ozfest. Was like, is that David Lee Roth? Because they like picked up this really like it like like <laughs> almost, I think he was like almost like dying of alcohol poisoning. He was so drunk, uh, if I remember the story correctly. And but then all of a sudden the guy like looked at him he's like it's David Lee Roth and he's like that guy's not gonna rem- even remember that but if he does man <laughs> that'll that'd be quite a story.
0: Congratulations, David Lee Roth just saved your life. He, there's apparently several
1: people who could say that they just didn't realize it, which is it's it's crazy.
0: <laughs> you would think you and, were dying. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I know. If I was opening my eyes and David Lee Roth was standing above me, I'd be like, all right, this is probably what heaven looks like.
1: Yeah, I guess I'm I guess I'm dead. Yeah, I there's DLR. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Another funny uh, story with him uh, unrelated to that episode. It was I think it was like a couple weeks before that episode came out or something. Dave was in like a, La- a Las Vegas hotel and like there was like a party going on down the hall from him. And they were blasting like Van Halen or something. And he went down the hall and they and the people in the room just thought he was like an old guy complaining about how loud the music was. And like, oh we're sorry, we'll turn it down. We're tu- we'll turn it down. And it's just like like he walked away like so defeated. Like like they didn't like they really didn't know who I was. It was like the funniest thing I've ever seen. That <laughs> that would I mean, you know, like when he's like if you see him now, if
1: you know, he's got short hair and stuff. And so it's like, he does look different, you know?
0: Than, oh, way different.
1: So you might not like, if I saw him out in public, I might not realize it was David Lee Roth for a second. Cause he kind of just wears regular clothes and has short hair.
0: And it's like, I'd be like, wait, he looks familiar. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> I know that nose from somewhere. I mean, it's, it's
1: weird. Like I had a, a really strange experience where I, um, was bringing some gear out to um, Frank Ero was playing in in Portland, and he had been on the show. Um, super cool guy. He's from My Chemical Romance and a, oh, a bunch okay. of solo stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was like, "Hey, uh, come out to you know, c- come out to the show and bring a bunch of pedals. Let's nerd out." And I was like, "Sweet." So we, I brought brought his stuff, and this was this was a while back when he was doing like a, a solo tour of sorts, um, and I was talking to his bassist while he was looking at some some gear, and I was talking to him for a while and checking out his pedal board and whatnot. And I kept thinking in my head, I'm like, I know this guy from somewhere. I'm like, what? Why do I know his like? But I'm like, I, I don't think we've ever met. I just know him from somewhere. And then, like, fast forward to like a month later, I finally realize he was the bassist in a band called Murder by Death, um, <laughs> and he was touring with with Frank, and like I was like, oh, I love Murder by Death. Oh, it's, oh, oh, and I like messaged him, and I was like, dude, I am so sorry. The whole time I was there, I was trying to figure out why I knew your face, and it's because I sat there in front row, you know, not row, but right up at a a stage and watched you play for an hour and a half a couple times. So, yeah, I recognized your face from that, but it was just not clicking. Um, (laughs) Then he came on the podcast. We had a good time. His name's Matt Armstrong. Super cool,
0: super cool dude. Awesome. All right. So since you do the tone mob, I'm going to go out on a limb here and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're probably a guitar player.
1: I try to be not very good at it, but I, I I do try to be.
0: Don't we all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I guess for this is kind of where like the, like the nerdy stuff is going to take place. So if you're not a guitar player or, You don't care, I guess. Tune back in, and probably about an hour or so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess. What is like your current like setup? Like what? Like what is your favorite amp right now, or guitar, or basically like run me down like your signal chain? Like what? Like what are you using right now?
1: So I'm a gear hoarder. So I have way too much of everything. Especially after getting into to this business, Um, I have I have I have a ridiculous amount of pedals to the point where I I can't ever sit down and make myself like put together a board. I just can't. I can't be. I'm so indecisive, and it's like there have been a running joke with my listeners. Like Blake, just make a pedal board already. So I don't actually (laughs) have a pedal board. I have a cabinet and a and a, a dresser just full of anything you can think of almost it's kind of gross um i i've got a lot of pedals but uh as far as and I, I have i have a decent amount of everything for as many pedals as i have you'd think i would actually have more guitars but i um i i only have i i mean i'm saying this because there, i know people that have like 40 guitars so yeah. i've i've got i think 13 at last count um which is still hey. more than anyone needs
0: of course, there's nothing. Of there's nothing wrong with that. Don't let anyone ever tell you that there's something wrong with that. <laughs>
1: well, all right. I'm gonna stick to my guns then. But um, my, I can, I can list off some highlights. Uh, so my favorite amp is definitely my Benson Amps Vincent, and that came to be I, I because years ago I had Chris from Benson Amps build me a small one watt guitar amp. That we ended up calling the Vinny after my son, Vincent. Okay, um, that's cool. And one of the coolest features on that little one water is that it has a direct out on it that is post power tube and post output transformer, because it's so small. So you get you can plug it into a bigger amp, and then have like full blown you know amp distortion at any volume level. Um, oh, that's cool. so. That's that was like one of the coolest features to me, and it just sounded so good driving a bigger amp. And you know, can't really do that with I don't know of any other amp on the market that can do that. And so, we started brainstorming, and I was like, dude, what if you made the Vincent and yeah, and we like married two of your amps together the Vinny, and then like he has another one called the Chimera, which is a 30 watt amp. And so, okay, when you're when you're playing, it's the first channel switching amp that they ever did, and it, the way it does it is really unique. So when you're plugged straight in, you have, uh, and you're do- you're on the clean channel, you're just playing straight into the Chimera circuit. You switch on the dirty channel, and what it does is it throws basically the Vinny circuit with the with the transformer and everything into the front of the Chimera, but it's oh, all in wow. one unit. That's awesome. Yeah, and it sounds just ridiculously good and then I, at, at my urging he reluctantly put an effects loop in between uh, Chris doesn't really like how some effects loops can kind of make your pedals have that weird whooshy 80s sound and so yeah. this one works a little different it, it actually is in between the two amplifiers so in, instead of being like a traditional effects loop where it would be like post the preamp of like the Chimera it's it's like, it'd be like the equivalent of putting it after your dirt pedals in your signal chain. Um, so oh, okay. It, yeah, so it's kind of a unique one, and so it doesn't have that weird, whooshy sound. It sounds like, it sounds like you know, if you're getting the distortion from the Vinny circuit, you can put your time-based stuff in between the two amplifiers and still, and have it sound good. So it's pretty, it's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, and it has I my kid's say, name on it. Sounds so cool. There's that. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. That that sounds like a really cool amp. I mean, it's almost like like the vinny almost acts as like a uh, like an overdrive or like a boost or something. Exactly, exactly, dude. That's so that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah,
1: it's a it's a really it, it's a really beautiful thing. So it, but it doesn't. It's not you know it will do almost everything except like chug a chug a metal. So like okay, you can get you know light drive, you know, kind of rock and roll, you know acdc type tones up to some pretty heavy distortion but it's not gonna do it's not it's not for the the uh genters out there yeah it's not gonna work for that <laughs> genters
0: beware
1: the gentleman gentlemen
0: <laughs> that's awesome but and you know that's kind of funny you bring that up like where did this like whole gent thing like really really come from i mean like you have like mashuga in like the early 90s and then all of a sudden it's just like this like tour de force that just shows up. And it's like, here it is. You know, the, you know, I, like, I remember like when I first saw a seven string, I was like, man, that's cool. And then it wasn't until where I saw like a nine string. I think I saw like a nine string Dean and I was like, what is this? Like, where, (laughs) where are we heading? Yeah. Um, I think you
1: you're right, though it did start with Mashuga. if you want to go back to the roots of it all it It's gotta be them right, um yeah, I as mean, far as the explosion listen, goes i I don't really know uh periphery is just kind of part of that,
0: yeah, a one hundred percent it just um, like showed up overnight.
1: it feels like it, it feels like it i don't I don't honestly don't know i I mean we can definitely point to Mashuga as the root of it, but like I'm not sure what. Made it just kind of explode all of a sudden, and I think yeah, it gets a bad rap because some there are some gent bands that really literally just just gent.
0: <laughs> they blah, 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 they, blah, 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 they
1: only do that. So like when you get then you get a band like Periphery that's lumped in there that definitely does not do that. You know they're yeah, they're very technical and does all this cool stuff. So it's kind yeah, of Misha's a weird insane category. Oh, Misha's he's bonkers. Like such a good player. Um. But the yeah, it's I don't know
0: where it came from.
1: I I should know better, I guess, but I don't. It's not really my scene exactly, so I, I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of like fell into it a little bit. Like I like I grew up on eighties hair metal, and like Van Halen's my favorite band of all time, and. Like I really like Metallica and then like as I was in high school and stuff, like I of course like August Burns Red comes out, and then like all the bands mm-hmm. that like kind of fell into that, like Texas in July and you know, just stuff like that. And it just kind of like morphed into like the gent thing. And then like obviously like a little bit before that, like I got into like deathcore and stuff, and like, yeah. But that that's a whole nother that's a whole nother topic is the deathcore thing. <laughs> death core is
1: indeed a whole nother topic
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's funny do you, are you're familiar with the show um like metal a headbanger's journey right or uh metal evolution uh, the same mm-hmm. done yeah like i i would love for him to do like an episode on death core and just like figure out like where it actually came from like yeah i have like, no idea because now, like, the Death thing is, like, so watered down to where it's, like, not, like, it's, it, it's, like, watered down to where it's not really even death metal anymore. And, like, I, I don't know, it's just, like, strange. Then you have, you have, like, bands like Suicide Silence and stuff, they're, like, incorporating, like, singing into it, and it's, like, yeah, I guess you're kind of making it your own thing, but aren't we kind of losing the, uh, like, the harshness of what this should be?
1: You know, I, it was never I was never got too into the deathcore thing. See, I like I like lots of heavy music, but I'm really weird with uh I'm really weird with vocalists. And there's not really a lot of there's not there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to why I will or will not like a vocalist because I definitely like certain vocalists in all across the genres that people I understand why somebody wouldn't like it, you know, like uh Yeah. I, I, but so for like for me, death metal and black metal, and to and to a lesser extent, like the deathcore stuff, I've never liked the vocal styles. Uh, I can't think of any of the bands that I just really like the vocal styles of. I always felt like they were trying too hard, <laughs> and like <laughs> it, it 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 rubbed me the wrong way. Like I love screaming, but like I I, I just it needs to be the right kind of screaming for me to really enjoy it i guess i don't know like i said there's not a lot of rhyme or reason like i slot slotted more into like the metalcore area with a lot of my heavier leanings
0: yeah like, a, like um uh why am i drawing a blank right now uh like devil Wars devil wears prada like those type of bands
1: yeah i like devil Wars prada pretty well especially their newest record it's crazy um uh the, i, I was were. they were yet. i wasn't the biggest like they weren't weren't one i started following until later but like you said like august burn's red on earth is a big one for me um, oh, yeah i mean Unearth earth is like uh so good um uh, you know as i lay dying uh, i was a big fan of but obviously f- feel kind of weird about listening to them now for obvious reasons
0: did um, you check out that new album yet uh, shape by fire
1: i did i couldn't i couldn't not you know what i mean because i was such a fan yeah. of their earlier stuff you know but like I said, like it, I, it's, it carries such a weird weight to it. Now, uh, it's hard for me to separate the art from the artist when it's something, something like that. You know, I, I try to do that, but it's I just every time I listen to it, I go back to that hard. in my head. Yeah,
0: like um, it's funny We should explain my wife... what we're
1: talking about so people don't yeah. <laughs> think we're weird. Yeah, so I'll let you do it.
0: What we're referring to is when was it 2015? The um. The vocalist from that—I don't—I can't remember. 12, but whatever, it was definitely in the the tens and teens. It was somewhere around yes, there. Um, vocalist definitely. for As I Lay Dying, Tim Lambesis, was accused and convicted of a murder-for-hire plot to kill his wife, and. Yeah. Um, it kind of left a sour taste of people's mouths for the band, and I can't blame them at all. I know like we have we actually covered this particular topic in a in an episode like uh in back in season one it was a long time ago we talked about this, and um you know you try to separate you know what happened from you know what the band is and i I think that they did a good job with doing uh woven war. I thought that that I thought that was incredible. And I was just like, okay, well they'll they'll never get Tim back in the band. And right. then, lo and behold, he gets out and first thing they do, they drop my own grave. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that I thought, song is
1: awesome, don't get me wrong.
0: <laughs> dude, like it's so funny because I like I put it on and like my wife listens like singer songwriters and stuff like uh she loves Ben Rector and um, you know, uh John Mayer and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. um she really doesn't like heavy music like at all and uh i put my own grave on and she heard it she's like i like this and then i was like i was like yeah until you find out who it is (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna not not like it here soon yeah you're really not gonna like it
1: (laughs) yeah and that's a tough one it's a tough one and i'm not like i'm not hating on anybody who can you know separate it it's just for me it's like I, yeah i don't it's know it's
0: tough it it, it it's is weird. tough
1: it's but a it's it's not something you ever think of as like a fan like if somebody's gonna, if one of your heroes is going to do something horrible cuz like it's you kind of forget like oh these are people they can they can screw up big time
0: yeah you know and even though he had strong like morals with his like religion and everything like no one would have expected it, and the thing that really sucks is, is that I feel like he has like one of the more iconic vocal stylings in the metalcore scene.
1: A hundred percent. He was one of like, the best. You know ever it's
0: it. him. You know it's yeah. him. The second he opens his mouth, like even like yeah. Austrian Death Machine and stuff like that. Like when you hear that, you know it's him.
1: Yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's, he's he was one of the best. He was like that's why or still I mean he still is if we're being honest. It's not like he's not doing it um yeah exactly that was what one other thing there again talking about vocals being important like that that's what drew me into the band I was like oh yeah. wow these this vocals are really good you know yeah exactly
0: so, and you know they're just you know it, it sucks that they're under the these circumstances and everything but i mean i can't not not listen to them you know what i mean Hmm. yeah no i
1: get it i mean i got there's there's a there's a list of bands that i've you know come to find out were not what we hoped they would be you know and it's uh it really is lame even really no other way to put it as a as a fan you know
0: yeah exactly like even as of recently um i don't know if you're into cannibal corpse at all but their uh guitar player pat o'brien he he went on like a I guess he had like a mental breakdown and like he brought a flamethrower to his neighbor's house and Whoa. yeah, the cops got caught on him. And then when they went into his house, they found like human skulls and shit in his house.
1: Oh, geez. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess he's uh you know, he's, he does play in cannibal corpse. So I guess
0: I don't know. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think he was taking the lyrics just a little too literal,
1: you know, and that's always been a, an interesting thing about like the the death metal stuff and the grindcore things. It's like, you know, it's like, it's supposed to be fake and a show and a weird, you know, you know, and like kind of in the same way that like a horror movie is appealing. Right. I like, I love horror movies. Right. Yeah, exactly. Kind of, kind of the idea behind it. But then like that happens. And then there's, you know, then I, I, you know, found out, I don't know when it was that I found out, but like reading about mayhem, and everything that they did back in the day. Oh
0: my god, yeah. That's a that's a crazy story.
1: That is you know, I'm just like where's the line? <laughs> Some people yeah. can't see the line. <laughs> they need to they need yeah. to be brought back to reality.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like the whole like art versus reality thing and you know, like like I said, like the cannibal corpse thing is just so crazy. It's just like like I just thought like all this was like a play or like a show and then here you go like you know arguably like one of the better death metal guitar players out there he's actually keeping human skulls in his living room right he actually (laughs) pretty weird yeah he owns flamethrowers he's he you know he tried to torch his neighbor's house with it like that's just insane
1: yeah yeah that's it's like man you're i guess you're legit
0: i guess (laughs) but not in a good way (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't worry pat you got your street cred it's fine we understand Yeah, we n- we believe you okay settle down <laughs> so i don't know how we went from guitar amps to cannibal corpse but oh let's, re- I don't let's either. Re- <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah guitars let's... we didn't get yeah we didn't get to the I, I talked a lot about the amp and i and pedals but guitars so like i have i am very lucky all of my guitars are very cool to me Um, but my, my number one is if like, and my listeners know this, if they're coming over and checking this out is my 1955 Les Paul jr. Um, that belonged to my grandpa. So that's the pretty easy, like, yeah, like, Oh, everything's burning. You can grab one. I'm like, well, I would be extremely sad about all of the other ones, but it's kind of a no brainer. Yeah. Grab the junior. That was your grandpa's like.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely. One. That's one of those uh, legacy guitars.
1: Yeah, so that that's definitely my number my number one guitar. So, uh, and I love it. And you can do so many things with a single pickup P90. Like it's it's wonderful. I I usually leave it in D standard, and uh, I just love it. It's it's an awesome guitar. So that's that's pretty easy for me pedals i don't really i i i love pedals but i don't think i have any that i couldn't replace relatively easily because i know so many of these builders now so there's not like one pedal that i would say i would never ever ever get rid of except for maybe some of like the the special projects that i've done with with some of these builders you know for the listeners of the podcast like i've built you know done some short run pedals with A handful of different companies and so there's there's a few of those that i would try to get you know try to save if i was if i could but even then they would build them for me again you know like (laughs) it's it's It's, not it's not the, the pedals are fairly replaceable so
0: it's it's kind of like an occupational hazard like being able to do something like this and have access to stuff like that
1: yeah it's a nice perk like that's that's you know mo- honestly most of my stuff is is replaceable the, that that guitar is obviously pretty unique so that would be hard to replace um the only other one that i have that i couldn't replace you know at some point in my life in the exact same way is i have a jazzmaster that was made for me by um a guy out of new york rick kelly uh he has carmine street guitars and okay. that that one I couldn't replace very easily because he uses um reclaimed lumber from like iconic New York buildings.
0: Oh and wow, so, that's cool.
1: Yeah. So like the body on that comes from a place that was in the Bowery called McGurk's Suicide Hall, which was like a place of ill repute, to say the least. Uh hmm. like think like gangs of New York type things. Okay. That's that's what was going on there. Like all kinds of shenanigans, like just Sounds wild. like you
0: should give Pat O'Brien a call. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you might not like this other part though. The neck come from uh, Trinity Church, which was one of the oldest churches in New York. The bell tower caught on fire, and uh, Rick was able to sneak in there and get some wood while they were repairing it. And so, this is some of the original wood from that. And so, and I la- asked him to keep the uh, the skim top on the body, so like it's. It's raw and it's it's finished like with a i'm not sure what it uses for finish some lacquer or something so it's smooth it's not gonna like give you splinters, but it yeah. looks like people see it and and on Instagram sometimes and they're like, oh man that's the coolest relic job I've ever seen and it's like well, it's not really a relic job it's just yeah, an old I piece
0: of wood that's really cool so what kind of pickups are in that
1: that one I went like totally old school with uh it's kind of cool because there's a like a project from guests of the show and like, you know, friends I've made in the biz. So the pickups in it are a vintage jazz master spec, uh, pickups, single coils, uh, made by righteous sound pickups. So they're, they're just like, I just wanted this to be like old school jazz master all the way. Uh, and then the wiring harness in it is from my friend, Sean, who runs gun street wiring shop. And so it's got just all vintage spec, everything. And, uh, the main reason I wanted that is because I played a 63 Jazzmaster at Grun's Guitars in Nashville. It was a 63 Blonde Jazzmaster. And it's like, oh, wow. to this day, one of the best guitars I've ever played. But I wasn't really into... I, I wanted it so bad, but I could not ever justify spending eight grand on a guitar. I just couldn't do it, you know?
0: Uh, yeah, it's hard. It's, it's like,
1: hard. <laughs> uh, like, man, even if I, like... I didn't, you know, I mean, like I could come up with the money, but it definitely wouldn't have been a smart financial move.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? No, like, well, that, that at, the, at the end of the day, that's why, you know, like we have wives and stuff to tell us that it's really not a good idea and we really shouldn't do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. M- meanwhile, I was there with my dad, who's like, like, you know, pretty, you know, conservative and good with his money. And he's sitting there like, you should buy that. You definitely should buy that. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, ah, don't tempt me. So this that's guitar funny. was like kind of an attempt to scratch that itch, which is why I went with all the old school, old school spec stuff on it. So,
0: well, that's cool. Those old Fenders are really, really cool.
1: Yeah, I still think about that guitar sometimes. I was like, I can't believe how good that guitar sounded. It was crazy, but this one, honestly, it I'm good. Like, it sounds. It has its own, kind of its own thing going on, but it scratches that itch. So I'm I'm happy. Very happy
0: awesome yeah i have a i have a little collection here myself i have well i really only have eight guitars um probably probably my number one is a 2003 it's an epiphone les paul custom Mm, um nice it's got emg 81 and 85s and tone pros hardware and I broke the headstock off this guitar three times. Whoa. So now it's so now it's retired to a wall ornament and I'll pull it down every once in a while and play it. Luckily, I I know a little bit about woodworking and whatever, and I was able to repair it. But after I stopped playing in bands and shows and, you know, became a podcast host, this thing went on the wall and it only comes down when I'm looking to just mess around.
1: Mm hmm. Special occasions.
0: Yeah, but it's weird, though. It's like one of those guitars, like, you know, like how, like, from the factory, like, you get a guitar and, like, everything was just right. Like, mm-hmm. everything was matched perfect. This is that guitar. Yeah. Even That's before so cool. the EMGs. Like, everything was just, like, perfect. It was, like, it had the perfect weight. It had the perfect sound. Do the sustain would go for days. I mean, it still does. But... It's just like everything was perfect with it. And that's that's the one if the house is burning down that's coming with me. It was like my first real guitar that wasn't, you know, an Ibanez.
1: Right, right, right. <laughs> I totally get um, what you're saying. That's like sometimes it's just like it's just you can't explain it. I mean, I kind of had the same journey with, with my Les Paul Custom. I just I really wanted one aesthetically because so many of my favorite, you know, people played it, uh, played yeah. a white custom. And I was just like trying to find one I could played so many over the years, and i they were all boat anchors, and i was, I started thinking maybe I don't actually like Les Paul customs and then one day, somehow in nineteen eighty one they made a really good one, and so that's that's the one I picked <laughs> up I don't yeah, I can't explain it. it just sounds better and feels better than any of the other ones I played, so the magic yeah, is there sometimes,
0: yeah, exactly it's just strange and then, like for instance i um I only own the another I own another Les Paul and it's a um it's a 2015 Studio T I believe it is. And the only reason I bought it was because um it was on clearance B stock at Guitar Center. I paid like 500 bucks for it. It was ridiculous. Nice. I just couldn't I couldn't pass that up. Like I was like, "Okay, this is Gibson USA. I mean, it's a Studio, but it's still a Gibson USA for $500. You can't pass this up." Mm-hmm. And like I like I guess like in my mind I was like okay a Gibson Studio versus Epiphone Custom they're probably on the same level. Dude the Epiphone smashes that Gibson every every day of the week without question. Like I without mean without question. Yeah.
1: I mean I I haven't played an Epiphone honestly like in a very long time even down to like my kid's student model that I didn't think was at least decent if not excellent. I've played a yeah, lot of exactly. good Epiphone. Yeah, the new honestly, ones. Oh, I get out of town. Have you one. seen the
0: new ones? Yeah, dude, they're awesome.
1: The the, the inspired by Gibson ones where they kind of changed the headstock, you know, to be a little more Gibson E. I played a, a, several of those at NAMM and they were all killer. I was like, the, they did a great job with those things. They're so awesome.
0: That's that's what I got to do one of these days. I have to be able to get to NAMM. I, I like I think 2021 is going to be my year. I'm going to try to get in. <laughs> It it's pretty, you know, like I don't wanna say it's easy, but if you
1: got a thing like you do that's really easy to verify, you know, like, oh yeah, this is a thing. This is you know, people listen to this. You know, it's got reviews yeah. on iTunes, like blah, you know, I can tell people listen to this, then then you can get in. It's not not too not too tough.
0: Okay. Well, I'm gonna have to yeah. look into that. Um probably well, I mean, I have a um another couple of guitars I have. I have a um a Kramer 5150 copy. Okay. So it looks just like, you know, Eddie's fifty-one fifty tour guitar. Mm-hmm. Um it's actually a funny story. I found it on Facebook Marketplace and the guy wanted like 200 bucks for it and that like I was waiting, you know, to get paid and I was like uh I was like hey man I have this like really old like 80s carving cabinet. It's a four twelve. Think you'd be interested and he's like uh he's like yeah yeah you know like let's set something up and then little did i know my my girlfriend at the time who was now my wife she messaged the guy behind my back and said no matter what he offers do not sell him this guitar no what and <laughs> yeah so then so like i'm sitting at home I'm like man this guy's not answering me anymore like i was going to get this guitar tonight and you know uh she she was uh, at her mom's house and it just so happened that the guy was selling the guitar a couple minutes from the house and um, she comes home and the guitar is on the table and she's like, Hey, come out in the kitchen help me with something. I walk in, there's a guitar sitting on the table. I was like, oh "Dude, my God. That's so
1: awesome. <laughs> that's so, that's why I
0: realized I was marrying the right girl. <laughs> yeah. No kidding.
1: That's fantastic.
0: That's amazing. And yeah. It dude, it was like one of those, like, like the, uh, like the uh, moments. Mm-hmm.
1: That's so awesome. <laughs> And probably was, wondering guy. where that story was going. I'm
0: like, why would she do that? <laughs> <laughs> the, and probably the last, the last thing I have in my collection that I think is pretty cool. It's a, it's an 87 squire HM two.
1: Oh dude. That is cool.
0: Dude. It's really, really cool. I, I have a buddy that does, uh, like, home remodeling and stuff, and, like, I guess his boss or whatever bought, like, a house or whatever for them to refurbish, and this guitar was sitting in the basement, and it was all gunked up, and it just looked like crap, and he's like, hey, I found this guitar, I don't know if you want it, and I was like, okay, cool, yeah, no problem, man, and, like, I saw Squire on the headstock, and I was like, I don't know, that looks really weird, that headstock's really weird. I said, I don't know. I'll probably buy like a Jackson neck or something and throw it on there. Like, it'll be a cool guitar. It's got a Floyd Rose. This will be cool. And then I started doing research on this guitar. And I'm like, this is like really cool. This is like way too cool to take the neck off and put a Jackson neck on it. And I mean, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, better than I do. But in the mid the mid 80s to the early 90s, the Squire factory was actually I think either they were using the same builders or they were in the same building as Ibanez and court. And this was basically like an Ibanez with court pickups with the fender name on it, basically. And, um, it's just really neat. I mean, it's, it kind of has like everything like the 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 pickups in it are really, really like they're not like super hot. They're like warm sounding. And like the coolest thing is the Floyd Rose, the speed loader system that's on it. Like to ha- be able to have a Floyd Rose and not have to cut the ball ends of the strings off. That's a <laughs> that's a that's, a, that's a it's a selling point.
1: <laughs> I've really never messed with the uh, with the Floyd Rose. I I uh, I need to. I most of my guitars have fixed bridges and uh, other than the Jazzmaster and uh, another custom one I've got that has a mastery on it like I need to expand my my tremolo horizon or well vibrato cuz you know people get all uh <laughs> Leo Fender said it wrong, unfortunately. It's not a tremolo, but we all call it a tremolo.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I have 3 guitars that have Floyds. One is the the Eddie Van Halen the the Kramer. The other mm-hmm. one is a uh the sub series from uh Sterling Music Man. Mm-hmm. I have a like like the Axis looking one that I actually Oh, I yeah, yeah. The, I took the stock pickups out and I threw in a DiMarzio X2N. Because I was like, I'm going to sound like Chuck Shoulder from death if I buy his pickup. And uh, I've had it since I was 16. So I was like, you know what? It's going in this guitar. That's got a Floyd, but I have it blocked. So, you know, it only goes, it only lowers the pitch, doesn't raise it. Right. And then the Squire has full floating front, uh, forward and backward. But dude, I like, I think honestly, I think the Floyd Rhodes, the, the Floyd Rhodes, the Floyd Roses. I feel like they have more sustain. It kind of gives it like a, I don't know. It gives it like a, like a punch. Like it's like a very bright sound that like cuts through everything. Like that's at least how I feel with it. Yeah.
1: Do you, do you like have any issues with it? Like I know some people hate them and I don't, I've not cared enough to like look into why they hate them. Is there a a
0: common thing? The, I mean, I can't say I hate them, but then again, like I said, the, the, Two two out of the three have them blocked. So they, you know, I I do know that a lot of people's problem is like when you palm mute on them, like mm-hmm. you inadvertently push the bridge down and it raises the uh, pitch of the strings. And gotcha. um I like I said, I don't have that problem on two of them. And probably another one, and it's actually something uh you're you're familiar with Ola England, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I if you're a guitar player and you're anywhere Close to being a gearhead, like you have to know who Ola is. If you're not familiar with him, please go check out his YouTube channel, might learn you a thing or two. Exactly. Um, Or, and he's
1: from I didn't actually know this when I first found him on YouTube, and then I found out later he played in The Haunted, who I already knew about, which was kind of weird. And six feet under. Oh, yeah, I'm six feet under. Yeah, that's right. I totally forgot
0: yet uh, going back to cannibal corpse chris barnes's post you know cannibal corpse band mm-hmm. um he actually did a like i think he calls it like a fear no that's uh glenn fricker he did um like a gear review or something it, like since you know i guess uh, uh you know people just have nothing to do but make content now um he found this thing it's like uh you put it, it's a spring that you put in place of a, one of your springs on your Floyd Rose system. And when you play it, like if you were to bend a note, like normally, like the bridge would, you know, dive down. It would lower the pitch on all the other strings while you were bending the one. This spring takes that and makes it to where the bridge stays fixed the whole time while you're bending another note. Oh,
1: I'm trying to remember. Was that? The um, what do they call that thing? Well, it's I got a clever
0: it. name. It's a Everton. very clever name. No, right? no, not an Evertoon. No, this is like, you know, like the normal, like little spring with the, you know, like the hook and the the round. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is literally that. But it has like like a like a tension, like a like a bolt or something in like in the middle of the spring. So as you're playing and you're dive bombing or going back or whatever, the spring stays fine. But also while you isolate a single string and bend it, all the other ones still stay in tune.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, you know, I'm thinking of the bridge when I was thinking evertune. That's what I'm thinking of. That's different. Oh, yeah. that's a completely different thing. I don't completely know. Completely wow, different, brain, but still equally,
0: still equally awesome. <laughs> and
1: that's another thing I've never really messed with. Uh, I, I, I have some, I do, I don't do like a ton of bending. I'm not like Stevie Ray Vaughan over here, but I do enough that I feel like I might not like it, Uh, but I'd have to mess with one before I can say.
0: My buddy, uh, my buddy uh, is a producer and, you know, he's got a wide array of guitars and one of his, I believe, what kind of guitar is it? It's, it's a, it's a one-off guitar that he had built and it has an Evertune on it. And I got to mess around with it one time and it was pretty cool. Like you I don't know the, like the specifics on it, but I do know that if you there's a couple ways you can set it up. And one way is no matter how hard you bend, you're not knocking anything out of tune. But mm-hmm. then there's like another way where you can have it to where you bend and everything's normal, or you have it set to another way where you can only bend like a quarter note or something. Okay. That's,
1: that's like, cool. Yeah. The video I was watching, it was like, look, see, it'll never go out of tune. And like, he was trying to do a bend and it was like not changing in pitch. And I was like, <laughs> I don't like that idea.
0: <laughs> I mean, I guess for like in studio situations or, you know, like the super genters, like we were talking about earlier Yeah, from the, uh, you know, the gent squad, if they're in there and they have an Evertune and, you know, you're in drop, you're in drop D1, like drop I don't Q. think, uh, yeah, <laughs> drop Q, you're not going to have an issue with tuning stability when you have an Evertune. I, yeah, totally I think it's, I think it's a cool sense. idea, but literally only for the studio application. I think that it's yeah. cool. I it's, mean, And it's a, it's a major commitment.
1: Way. You know, if you want to get a guitar with an Evertune, it takes a good chunk of the guitar out to install it. Yeah. In, so.
0: And I mean, I guess that's kind of up to, you know, I, I, it's like the biggest debate, like of all time, like does, does the wood actually matter or do the pickups really matter? And I mean, I, like I said, I played that guitar and like, it sounds really good. I think, I think probably the best way it's ever been described was probably when, uh, I think premier guitar did an interview with Mick Thompson and uh, Mick Thompson from Slipknot. For people that don't know, um, he has a, a signature Jackson now. Like he left Ibanez, and um, his bridge is a Floyd Rose, or you know, yeah, well, it was like an Ibanez Edge or whatever. But now it's a Floyd Rose without the block, and the actual bridge itself is just bolted directly into the body. And Mick said. Like I feel like the more heavier like shit you put in a guitar, or the you know the more mass you can throw at it, the better it's going to sound, and you know the more tone you're going to get out of it. So I mean, I guess the EverTune can go either way. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's it's a hard thing. You know, that's it's been debating like my Facebook group and before. Like it's like is tone wood a a thing? You know, and I'm like, I I mean, it is. It definitely plays a factor, but I don't oh, think yeah. it's quite as big of a factor as what some people make it out to be. Because I've played aluminum guitars that sounded awesome, you know. So it's like, eh, I, you know, it's definitely it's definitely a factor. Like I, I kind of like it more for like the story aspect. Kind of like my Jazzmaster. Like I love the story yeah. behind that wood, you know. And so that's kind of my thing with it. I like I like I like instruments that have stories. I think that's well, fun. that's Even like if I don't super know what badass. Are, it's just, the, uh, I don't know. It's just interesting to me. I don't know what it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, like I said before, I have two Les Pauls sitting here and they're both mahogany with maple caps and rosewood fingerboards and the Epiphone sounds better all day long. Right. <laughs> and they're literally the same guitar. I mean, that's, one has yeah, binding, the, one doesn't. Thing.
1: Oh, it's oh well. The tones got you know it's got to be in the binding.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm glad me and you talked about this because now I'm definitely I'm definitely convinced.
1: Tone has to be in the binding. It's (laughs) got to be. There's no other explanation. That's funny. Your guitar doesn't have binding. It doesn't have tone. He said as he looked around at most of his most of his guitars that don't have binding. (laughs) (laughs) And um, as far as
0: amps go, with me too, I. Yeah, that was going to be my next thing. So you read my mind. <laughs> I've always been like a minimalist. Like when when I started playing in bands like I had, you know, like has everyone everyone else probably did, you know, the Marshall MG and you had the half stack because you had to be super cool. And, you know, the bigger, the better. And, um, you know, back in those days, I used to just plug into the head and that would be fine. And then, you know, as you start learning more and more, the the pedals start coming into play. And I I used to like my board would consist of like my Zach Wild Wah because I could not find a Wah that sounded better like ever like I thought that one was perfect. Then I had a the the Black Label chorus I think it was the MXR Black Label chorus and I love that thing mm-hmm. too. And then um what was the delay? I had a delay that was like some goofy like cheap like off brand pedal that I got for like twenty five bucks brand new, and um i it was analog delay, and I can't remember the name for the life of me, but then uh I had a tuner pedal, and that was basically it and then I used to run once I upgraded from the marshall, I had a fender mustang, mustang five, I think it was, yeah five, and then once i uh got my first like real job at guitar center i was i came into contact with a crepe blue voodoo and that's where the the tone pursuit started i was like oh my god this is the greatest sounding amp i've ever heard and you know of course i bring it home and i plug it into my junk cabinets and it doesn't sound half as good as it, as it did <laughs> plugged into the 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 mesa oversized cab at guitar center but regardless, yeah. And dude, I love that thing. That amp, that amp gave me a lot of good years. And I bought it used for two seventy-five, which was like an incredible deal, because now you can't find them for anything under like four to five hundred bucks. And um the output transformer went. And I'm not <sighs> an amp yeah, I'm not an amp tech. Like I don't know like I'm a forklift mechanic by trade. And, um, like, I don't know anything about, like, tubes or nothing like that. And, unfortunately, the amp went in the trash. In hindsight, oh. I probably should have gotten it fixed.
1: And, yeah, you know, I mean, it probably would have cost you almost as much as you paid for it to get it fixed, though. So that would be, like, it's kind of one of those weird hard pills to swallow. But, like you said, they are worth a lot more now.
0: Yeah, and, you know, they're they're a hidden gem. Like, for those of you listening out here, like, don't don't bash on Crate. Like, yeah, Crate makes, you know, some garbage stuff sometimes or did make garbage stuff. But the Blue Voodoo series is something unlike anything else that, you know, Crate was able to offer at that point in time. Any iteration of that head. I thought I thought. I would I, like, like to throw my Opinion.
1: I'd like to throw another crate in there uh, that I love and I've had it was my first amp. Uh it's the crate XT one twenty R, which
0: is a, a solid
1: state amp. Uh, not the Excalibur. It's just the XT one twenty R is all it's called. That's the name of it. It's got like a blue face. Um
0: Oh, okay, yeah, but, yeah. I know what jam that is.
1: Yeah, yeah. That thing is a ripper. Like, no joke. Like people like people do not expect it. Like I've I've had people like come in here and I'd be like, all right, I'm going to plug into something. You tell me which, you know, turn around, you tell me which amp this is. And then I unplug it after I get done. And then they're like, uh, maybe is it that, is that, you know, that amp? Is it that amp? I'm like, no, it's that amp. It's the PV or it's, excuse me. It's the, uh, crate. (laughs) Um, they're like, no way. I'm like, it sounds so huge. So heavy. Oh
0: yeah. Um, my buddy has, you can scoop those up for like dirt cheap. Yeah, my buddy's got a GTD, uh, GTD 120, I think it is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the solid state combo. It was right before they started doing like the Flex Wave series. Dude, that thing is a monster. Like it's yeah. got the building don't, effects. Don't and sleep stuff. on
1: it.
0: Yeah, crates are definitely something not to sleep on. And if you get a chance to pick up a blue Voodoo for anything under like three hundred bucks, you'd be stupid not to buy it. Mm-hmm. Trust me. So, after the amp blew up, my girlfriend at the time, wife now, knew that I was looking in the market to buy something, and um, I was at Guitar Center messing around, and I, you know, I started getting into, like, the whole, like, modeling thing. I'm like, man, this would be kind of cool to have all this stuff, and um, I was messing around with an 11 rack, and, you know, obviously, as a forklift mechanic, I don't make axe effects or Kemper money, so... um <laughs> I was, uh, I was messing around with the 11 rack and I sent her a picture. I'm like, yeah, I think this is, I think I'm going to pick this up. And, uh, then I turned around and there was a Marshall, um, uh, the DSL when those came back out, I was like, I'm either going to look at this or look at this. And, uh, I left the store and I, uh, go home. Then me and her are hanging out the next day, we drive up the guitar center so I could show her the 11 rack and it's not there. And as you could tell from this Van Halen story before, I think you can. I think you can piece together what happens next. (laughs) (laughs) Well, twice. Look at that. Yeah, exactly. So I turn around and there's the eleven rack, and now I'm sitting there. I'm like, awesome. This is like the coolest thing ever. And you know, so the eleven rack came into play, and I have a Behringer FCB um, ten. Yeah, 1010, 10, FCB 1010 10 with um an Eureka, yeah, Eureka Prom uh, chip in it, and that's my MIDI switching and everything, and I gotcha. run that into an EV2600A power amp, which is way more than I'll ever need, <laughs> uh, going into my, that 80s Carvin that I tried to trade, and a... I believe it's a nineties, early nineties ampeg four by twelve and the both cabinets have uh celestians.
1: So that you you can push some air with that with that dude, I'm some those, serious those air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: That yeah, so cool. and
1: I, I, I like that I like that ampeg stuff. I forget about how much I like Ampeg stuff until people start talking about it. I'm like,
0: oh, yeah, I really like it. That's another thing. That's another amp, too, not to sleep on is those Ampeg Lee Jacksons. Oh, I don't know about those. Oh, really, dude? I think they're like the Ampeg, like VL, VL 100 or 400 or something. They are tube heads designed by Lee Jackson. Oh, well, that's cool. And you can. Yeah. And you can pick them up relatively cheap, too.
1: While we're while we're uh, talking about gear that you can pick up relatively cheap, I want to throw one more in there for the people, which is the PV Windsor. And, oh, uh, dude! It's, it's, I've been looking for one of those a, for a
0: while. You can usually, f- I mean,
1: the word's starting to get out there a little bit on them, so their prices have creeped up a little bit. But I think I paid like two seventy for mine, and it's a JCM eight hundred. That's
0: basically what it is, with some extra yeah, it's bas- features. It's basically a diet JCM eight hundred. Like I think yeah, what it has it like awesome. two less two less preamp tubes but they're 100 watts.
1: Yeah, exactly. It sounds awesome. Dude. I was like every time I plug this in I'm like this this stupid thing sounds so good. Like it's too big. Like it, there's no reason for it to be so large, but yeah. oh, oh well. You take well, you that's, know it's I don't I'm not moving it around. It's fine.
0: Well, that's the thing. It's to give the like the illusion that you're playing through a two bed, <laughs> <laughs> you want people to know. Yeah, exactly. Like a- actually, as a whole, I think people sleep on PV, especially like some of the older stuff, like the like the VTM mm-hmm. and the Ultra, and I mean even even the Valve Kings. I mean, for what they are and how relatively cheap you can pick them up, they are pretty decent amps. I mean, yeah, especially I for mean, someone like I've had me, pretty
1: good experiences. The Only PV head or PV amp I've played that I didn't really like is this modeling one that my dad has, but it's just because it was an early modeling amp and it wasn't—they weren't that good. Like none of them were yeah. really. So
0: probably, that, well, I mean, obviously, like with the with the way modeling and processing has come, you know, with like Axe Effects and Kemper and stuff, it's it's incredible. And, you know, like the Line 6 Helix stuff, like that's just insane. But I think, you know, uh, uh, you know, up until the point where these things are going to be, you know, affordable for everybody else. And you don't have to spend a couple grand to basically buy a glorified, you know, computer. Um, <laughs> I think the 11 rack is going to be like the way to go for a little bit. And you can pick those up relatively cheap, too. You can get those for like two to three hundred bucks used. And oh, really? I thought there were a lot more than that for some reason. No, man, they're cheap because um, 11 rack is now uh, headrush like like the headrush footboards and stuff that has 11, I, I guess, the 11 corporation that has their technology in it. So the 11 racks are virtually like obsolete now.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that that's what happened to them, I knew they weren't around. Well. I knew they weren't visible anymore, but I didn't know what happened. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Now 11 rack is based. The 11 rack is now the head rush. And now that makes the 11 racks really, really cheap. And, you know, I mean, it's definitely a cool little studio tool to have. Like, you know, they could be used as interfaces, you know, uh, they're USB, uh, MIDI in and out XLR in and out. They have everything, man. And, the models that they have and just the amount of stuff that you can do with it. It's, it's pretty cool. And the only thing that it doesn't do that I wish it did was a whammy. Like that oh, would be gotcha. like, that would be the ultimate, like that would, that's what would make the 11 rack. Perfect. As if it had a whammy and it doesn't. So unfortunately I had to go out and get a digitech whammy, you know, like every, well. uh, like every guitar player should. <laughs>
1: Yes, there's nothing wrong. With, I love I love my whammy. I, I make so many dumb sounds with that, trying to pretend I'm Tom Morello.
0: Oh my God! Don't we all? I do <laughs> the fir- the second I busted that thing out of the box. The first thing I did was try to do the killing in the name of solo. Of course, that's wee- what you, that's what wee- you do. Wee- wee. Like that's the first thing I did. I was like, here we go. And then, um, uh, Pantera, like the um, like, God damn it, I forget the song. The, the riff is uh, like, I know what you're
1: talking about which song is that I whatever people know what we're talking about
0: yeah <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's on like far beyond driven or something my yeah, resident it's, it's the- Pantera head is not here
1: everyone everyone who plays guitar needs a whammy that's just how it is.
0: You just yeah, is just, they're just cool pedals I mean and plus you have like the harmonizing options and stuff with them and you know I should say everyone should go get one while they
1: can i know there's a lot of used ones out there but like i don't know how long digitech's going to be around um i don't know if you know about all that or not
0: no but, i don't please enlighten uh, me
1: yeah so digitech and dod they were one you know one unit basically They they would produce things under each brand name but they were it was the same team basically um and I interviewed the guy who used to manage all of that. His name is Tom Cram. He has his own effects company now called uh, Spiral Effects. But um, okay. basically, what happened was Har- Harman owned Digitech and Dod and a bunch of other audio brands, and then they were acquired by Samsung. And in a nutshell, like Samsung was like, like what people don't understand about the gear industry. Like, even though NAMM's, like, this big crazy thing and all this stuff, it is, like, a spec as far as industries go. Like, there's, it's not, you know, Samsung, like, does not care. Like, there's, Digitech and DoD were bringing in basically zero dollars in their eyes. They weren't bringing in zero dollars, but as far as they're concerned, it was, like, more trouble than it was worth. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, Um, because I guess they see this as, like, a hobby kind of area kind of.
1: Yeah, it just was like like we're sampling and we're this multi-billion dollar corporation and you are whatever you are over there, you know. And so <laughs> like all most of these companies what I'm getting at is most of these companies are really small. Like even like you, you might be surprised at how small like Mesa Boogie is. Like it's almost every time I see uh get to go in person and to somebody's shop I'm like this is not that big. Like these gear companies are not they're not raking in money like people think that they are most of the time some some are but for the most part they're people are doing it because they love it um but the uh anyway samsung basically shuttered all of a sudden just kind of out of nowhere just shuttered down dod and digitech as far as the u.s part of it was concerned which was all the engineers all of the marketing people all of that stuff um oh wow and so so that's gone they what the way Tom explained it to me, if I can remember correctly, is they are still gonna sell, what what sells basically. So okay, whammies, um, you know, uh, and a few other items, but like for the most part, they're just trying to blow all that stuff out. Like they're they That's said they'll crazy. still I, they'll still sell them as long as they continue to sell, but like at some point they're they're not willing to put any more money into like promoting them at all. So, well, at some point they could go away.
0: Well, I mean, I mean, we can kind of see this as a blessing. So at least you're not going to have like a digitech whammy. That's going to blow up in your hand. Hopefully not. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) I mean, what, what was like the galaxy S eight or something? They were having batteries exploding and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure it was.
1: Yeah. Catching on fire or whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's obviously not a laughing matter, but in the concept of having uh, an effects pedal that blows up because of a bad battery is kind of comical. For you know those of you who are like, I can't believe you'd laugh about that. Well, it's hey, it's kind of funny. It, it, oh, it's, <laughs> it's definitely fine. funny. Um, that that's the it's actually funny because it's um, it's kind of how like the dynamic of this show of Rage Against the Mainstream of how that works like. Not that we like go out of our way to like, you know, be edgy or anything like that, but like pretty much like if it rolls out of your mouth and it's not like anything like super crazy, like it's pretty much no holds bars here. Like you could pretty much say whatever you want. And you know,
1: oh, okay. Well, here we go. I got some opinions.
0: <laughs> no. All right. <laughs> I was going to say, man, this is, you could do whatever you want. <laughs> Uh, I'm not. I, wor- I, my, not opinions f- <laughs> my opinions are mostly. My opinions are mostly
1: food-based, and uh, you know, I don't know. I you know, <laughs> pizza is a thing on my show. I'm the pineapple, the anti-pineapple guy, and I was doing oh, it before it was man. cool. Way before it was cool. Oh, like I feel like everybody just hopped on my train. Dude. Nah, I can't do the pineapple. Just when I thought I me it. and
0: you were gonna be best friends, man.
1: <laughs> well, I, I will say though, like I'm, I'm all the way. I'm legit with it. Like I don't like pineapple, not just on pizza. I just don't like pineapple. That's, oh, okay. That's well, that, I, that's
0: understandable. Yeah. That's yeah. understandable. So, but if you did like pineapple, you probably wouldn't mind it being on your pizza.
1: It, that I would think I would like it on my pizza if I liked it, but I don't. So that's just. So there uh, we go. You know, there's in a hypothetical my hot situation. <laughs>
0: This is the the, there's uh, like times in like the show where like um like I'll say something like, you know what? Like that Nickelback song really wasn't that bad or, you know, like, (laughs) man, like Creed is just one of those bands that no one really understands. And, you know, I don't understand why people don't like it. When stuff like that happens, we call it like the truth tree moment. And you have just had yours. If you did like pineapples, (laughs) you would put them on your pizza. Exactly. I mean,
1: most I would think that I would. It it seems to be a thing that people like, so I would probably like it if I liked pineapples, but I don't know.
0: Honestly, I think it's like the sweet and savory thing. Like you kind of have like the like the like the acidity of the tomatoes versus like the sweetness of the pineapple. And I think like with the saltiness of the cheese, like I think it all just like I think it's just like the perfect i'm trying to think like collaboration if you will on a pizza
1: well yeah i mean i can i can get on board with that like so like my favorite kind of popcorn would be not regular popcorn not caramel corn but kettle corn and that kind of has that that vibe going on a little bit too
0: oh yeah kettle corn's awesome i, the I first love... time i had kettle corn it
1: blew my mind it blew my mind i couldn't believe what i was eating it was amazing
0: <laughs> Yeah, man, I guess this is like the point in like the conversation or interview, or this could potentially be an episode of hanging with Bill, which is something that we're doing during the pandemic and can't record episodes. Um, Right. I guess this is your chance right now for the Rage Against the Mainstream fan base or listeners that don't listen to Tone Mob or following you on any social medias. This is your chance to plug yourself.
1: All right. Well, you can find me on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. You can just search the tone mob and it'll come up. You'll see a, like a guitar headstock logo and some like godfather-ish font. That's me. And you know, that's the main thing. Uh, I have a Facebook group surrounding the podcast. It's also called the tone mob. And then I'm on Instagram primarily as social media. I'm on I'm on everything. I don't really use Twitter all that much, but I'm there. Uh, and you can follow me if you would like. I do I do tweet things occasionally, and they're usually pretty stupid, um, because that's the type of person I am. But I post on Instagram all the time, I'm po- and it's mainly it's ninety nine point nine percent of the time it's gear stuff. So it'll be like gear that I own. It'll be Occasionally, some guitar-related memes. I'll clips of uh, different pedals. I'll do demos on there, um, and then I also am on YouTube, and I, I don't have much of a following on there because I literally like just started kind of taking it seriously. But it's also called the Tone Mob, and I'm doing like gear demos, yeah, like legit, like full-blown gear demos of different guitars, different pedals, different different little things here and there so
0: yeah dude that's awesome it's a good time yeah it's fun well for all the people that are listening on the patreon you can find rage against the mainstream on everywhere you can find podcasts um all of our social medias are instagram and twitter at ratm podcast and you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash RATM podcast and uh, there you go
1: not, I'll if put you're that in, band, in the show notes for patreon folks as well so there you go
0: thanks man and if you're listening now and you're in a band or you know somebody that's in a band you can send them over to our email at ratmpodcast@gmail.com podcast at gmail.com because we're currently taking submissions to interview people that you know don't really have the means or ability to be you know spotlighted on a you know a global level and um you know release songs you know pretty much whatever you want to do right on man perfect good so yeah man um you know it's it's the whole networking thing like we're all about you know helping everybody else you know yeah and it's uh
1: it's we're all yeah we're all in this this together you know from artists and podcasters and youtubers and all that stuff we're all trying to you know do the same thing you know i don't expect like everybody to who listens to your show to come start listening to mine but you know there might be one person who thinks this is somewhat interesting and wants to yeah, hear exactly. me talk to people about it so that's a uh, that's kind of what i i've always said like if you can get like one new listener with like every episode that you put out, you're doing a good job. Like it's a, it's a really, uh, just about finding the, you know, the right people who really, you know, re- resonate with you. Like you're, you're one of them It's like, like what my wife has said when she's gotten to meet some of these guys in bands and stuff, she's like, she's like they're just like you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't exactly. know anybody else was a big, a big dork like you are basically. So
0: it just, yeah. it is what good it stuff. is. <laughs> But, um, yeah, man, um, as far as like networking and stuff goes, if you know, anytime you want to come on our show for a topic or anything, um, reach out, man, I would love to have you on and have you on here with the, with the other two guys on this show. Cause I feel like, I feel like all four of us would have an extremely good conversation. I mean, obviously I feel like me and you had a connection here today.
1: <laughs> of course we're still going. So like I didn't, we didn't hang up. So like, obviously it worked out pretty well.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, just for everyone here to know uh, all the rage against the mainstream podcast listeners, the Tone Mob is a bill approved podcast. This is a podcast oh, that man. I listen to.
1: Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. I, like, uh, I literally get paid, but paid by the download. So that helps a lot. <laughs>
0: Like, not to be, like, conceited or anything, but, like, I always, like, pride myself on, like, not, like, recommending bad things. And I, mm-hmm. like, make that very known. So, like, in my opinion, if I recommend something, it is, like, it's the shit. And The Tone Mob is just one of those podcasts.
1: Thank you so much, dude. I I try really hard. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to, like, sharpen the axe a little bit. So, I feel like I've gotten a little better in the last couple of years, but could always there's always room for improvement so i appreciate it man
0: well yeah if you ever get the chance check out the first rage against the mainstream episode versus like one of the newest ones (laughs) there's definitely (laughs) uh there's definitely growth there (laughs) yeah and it definitely happened yeah and you know it's it's all about making relationships and you know networking at the end of the day like networking is one of the biggest things and i can't stress that enough like finding like-minded individuals or people that you can even hold a conversation with. Like, it's just one of, it's one of the most important things.
1: Yeah. And it's, re- it's really rewarding, uh, you know, to find people that you connect with and get to do cool stuff. You know, it's
0: awesome. Exactly. And I hope we get to do more as, you know, time rolls on. Of but, course. but for now, listeners of rage against the mainstream, this is Blake Wyland. I want to thank you so <laughs> much for coming on, man. Or, you know, of I, course, we're thank kind of doing me. two simultaneous things here. So I'm happy to be on yours and I'm happy that you came on to mine.
1: Yes, yes, it's a it's a mixed thing. So this is going to go out to all my Patreon folks uh, later. Probably, I don't know, probably in a couple days, most likely. So, should be fun. But uh thanks for having me on and uh thanks for being on. This was great.
0: Right on, man. Thank you so much. And um, you know, I I'm definitely going to be in touch, man. And uh yeah. Everybody. Blake Weiland. Bye-bye. See you, man.
1: See ya.